individual therapy can be such a rewarding process. Unfortunately, a lot of people reject it because they're afraid of the unknown. I am Naya B, therapist, author, speaker, educator, and influencer, and I welcome you to do individual therapy with me. Take this journey and listen as unfiltered and unscripted brave souls heal and share their stuff points. My hope is that someone listening can relate to their stories and get a perspective on how real therapy takes place. Who knows? Maybe one day decide to get some therapy of their own. But when you do, though, just come do it with me, Naya B. girl Naya B and I am so excited to be back with season two of doing it with Naya B. Last season we discussed heartbreak and this season we're going to be talking about setbacks and comebacks. So you guys know that 2021 was rough for a lot of people and everyone experienced a great deal of loss from loss of relationships, loss of loved ones. Just this pandemic has changed so many lives And I think that a lot of people have slowed down in just their area of progression, right? And I, for one, can attest to that because 2021 was pretty rough. It was almost bittersweet. Um, So at the end of last season, um, shortly after I lost my mom, um, she passed away June 1st. And it was a really, really rough ordeal because... Um, you know, I stepped in, I took care of her, I attempted to help in many ways and, you know, it just, it just wasn't as successful as, as I expected it to be. So it was a loss that I had to take. Um, and in addition to that, I lost a lot of family in the process because for some reason, when people pass away, (laughs) people change. Like you start seeing a different side of people. You start to witness things that you never thought that you would have witnessed before. And let me take you guys back a little bit. So FYI, I am my first guest today. Um, And I want to set the tone for the setbacks and the comebacks. And that's what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to talk about all season is setbacks and comebacks. And I want to be able to take a step back. And for those of you who've read my books, who follow me, you know that me and my mom had a very challenging relationship. And it wasn't one that we hated each other because I think people confuse the two uh, discomfort with hate. And I don't hate my mom. I never hated my mom. I just didn't like her teachings. And I didn't like how she treated me a lot of times. But Carly was because she had a substance abuse issue. She was an alcoholic most of my life. Um, and when she was uh, when she got drunk, she was violent. And that led to a lot of our turmoil because I just wasn't comfortable with that or being in that space with her. And I, you know, I'm a lot like her is what I've learned. And in that, we bumped heads a lot. We bumped heads a lot. I mean, I was I was a firecracker and she pushed, I pushed back. She said something I didn't like. I said it back. And then at some point I realized that, hey, we just can't be in the same space. Um, so I've lived apart from her for quite some time. I've set boundaries in that relationship. And so to get the call that, you know, she was transitioning and that she was sick, um, I immediately stepped in. Like there was no question about it. Like I immediately stepped in. I stopped doing everything that I was doing. I put work on hold. I, you know, thankfully I have the support system with my son. His dad stepped in and took care of him while I was away. Um, I lived four hours away from my mom. And so to be the one that she called on was like, what? Me? 
the person that you have been mean to most of my life, the person that, and our relationship has never been one of like friendship, meaning we didn't kick it. Um, I've mainly have taken care of my mother. She needed money. I gave it to her. She needed a phone bill paid. I get, you know, I paid it. She needed medical work done or bills paid for. I did that. So it was mostly of like a caregiver role for me or just someone she called when she needed support. But one thing I did not do was support her habits, her bad habits. So she couldn't call me for money if she needed to drink or if she needed to smoke. She knew that wasn't going to happen. But if she needed groceries, I made sure she had them. She needed her bills paid. I made sure I paid them directly. She needed a medical bill paid. I paid the doctor directly. So our relationship was more of, um, you know, as I got older, it was more of, okay, let me make sure she's good. So it didn't, it, it, it didn't shock me as much when I was told that I was her, you know, um, power of attorney for her medical. So I stepped in and provided the support and believe it or not, she was still mean. She was still mean most of the way. I did still take a lot of verbal abuse and you know, she would fight me to the end, tell me, go home, don't be here. And, but I still did it because I realized that, Hey, you're scared. You're transitioning. This is rough for both of us. Cause I never thought I'd, I'd be the one here doing this, but I'm the I'm the oldest. So, and you know, it just made sense. So I did that and letting her go was harder than I thought it would be, especially in the end. Um, you know, the only thing I got from her was her phone. That was the only thing I was able to get from her. Um, my family stepped in, basically took control of her apartment. I wasn't able to go and, and be there and get anything of hers or anything like that. I think mostly they were concerned about being in her space, you know, and I let them have it. I spent time at the hospital. I was there, um, you know, made sure I closed out all her affairs. So I was able to get her phone. That was the one thing I do have of hers. And, and looking through her phone, um, I, I learned that, you know, she didn't hate me at all. She didn't dislike me at all. She actually, you know, I was, I was, she really admired me. I mean, like she was one of my biggest fans. I mean, she listened to the podcast. She sent pictures of me to her friends. She bragged on me a lot and it broke my heart because we just never really got to have that moment, but it was still closure for me. And it was the closure that I needed in order to get back on my feet because what people don't realize is that losing anybody is hard, but when you lose a parent and you have to watch this parent transition and you have to care for this parent and you, you know, have unresolved issues, it takes a toll on you and you don't quite know how it's going to make you feel afterwards. Once people stop calling, once people stop checking in, once the music stops, you know, once people stop showing up with the flowers and giving their condolences, it's still on you to grieve. And all you have are the memories and the reflections and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas or wishes. And I don't regret the nature of our relationship. I needed what I needed to do for me and my sons and I had to protect my mental health. So what I do know is that I can't be in the space of an alcoholic. I don't regret that because I stand on that. But what I wish would have happened, what I wish I could have done was just at least, at least be able to let her know that I understand. She was in a lot of pain. My mother was in a lot of pain and a lot of things I learned after she passed. And, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and and I believe that it is. But, you know, I used to just be so like, okay, mom, bye. Okay. All right. I get it. I hear you. All right. Another day, another day of the violence story, cue the violence. Mom, what's the problem today? You know, and I, I wish I had just had more compassion. I think I was so angry with her for just 
choosing the alcoholism or, you know, choosing the men or however. But what I realized is that my mother just wanted genuine love. That was what she wanted. She wanted genuine love and she wanted her babies to give it to her, meaning me and my siblings. And and unfortunately, she lost my brother um, early on. And she just had me and my sister left. And I know that of the two of us, she really just wanted to spend more time. I know that she wanted to be close to her grandsons. But to me, there was a price to pay for that. And um, I wasn't willing to pay that price. Like, I just, I felt like one one motherfucker to one of my kids or one curse out or, you know, calling them the N-word. or I, I wasn't ready for that. I, I don't want my sons to think that growing up and being cursed out is the way to go. No, it's not. So I don't regret that. I don't regret that. But I want to say that it set me back a lot. Emotionally, it set me back a lot. So much so that I was off work for a long time, a little over a month. Um, I appreciate my clients because they stayed loyal. They didn't leave me to go find another therapist. Thank you. Um, And it took me a while to just get to this point where I could even produce season two. But I will say that if I wasn't able to take that time and really just sit with that setback, I wouldn't have been able to come back and be where I am right now. And so people will say, you know what? We didn't know you were going through all that. We didn't know you were dealing with all that. And so look at you, you're still moving, you're still grooving. Well, there's a recipe to that. And I want to share that in this first episode of doing it with Naya B because that's what you guys are here for. You had to do it with me. So what helped a lot was I had to have the desire to keep going. Grief is traumatic. It will keep you stuck. Mentally, that's what it does to your brain. It keeps you stuck, right? So you got to have a desire to just want to see what the other side is like. I know sometimes you want to give up and you want to say, forget this. I can't move on. There's so much on my plate. I got to close out this affair. I got to handle this. I got to handle that. And when you're handling things after the death of a parent or a loved one, when you're you're making the funeral arrangements and you're calling everybody to tell them the person's passed away, you're closing out accounts, you're making sure apartments are cleaned out, things like that. Your grief doesn't really start until all of that is over. So by the time I was done closing out all her affairs, because people are truly insensitive, right? Because some people were like, oh, can you donate her eyes? Or, hey, can we? People didn't give a fuck. They didn't care that I just, my mom just died. I don't want to donate her eyes. Get the fuck off my phone. Like, it was so much anger there that I really couldn't process. Everybody want to know what's the life insurance policy and what am I going to do with this and what am I going to do with that and what are we going to do? Like, y'all don't give a damn about this woman because nobody was here when I was having to care for her. Nobody went over to make sure she was good. Everybody had an opinion, but now everybody has, has plans for the things that she left behind. So you get a lot of anger associated with that, so much so that it keeps you still. And I realized that I didn't really get any true peace till probably September. So she passed June 1st. It took me all the way up until August to get her things settled, if I did that, because I don't even, I get to the point where I just stopped caring about what I was, I was like, I don't care what's left. Whatever the hell it is, is just gonna have to be done. I'm, I'm, I need to move on with my life. Um, and then after that, I got COVID. So I was sick from August 31st up until September 15th. And it was the worst. I felt like I was about to die. You know, it was just really, really rough. And my breathing was, you know, affected. And I had this headache for 
Oh my God, headache and fever for eight days. And when I tell you the headache, the headache I had, it just made my head feel like it was about to explode. It was like a really tight headband just around my head the entire time. It was the worst. And what I say about getting COVID is that it's the loneliest illness because you can't be around anybody. You got quarantine and you got to stay by yourself. So I didn't really get to really grieve until I was able to get through that. And honestly, I'm still grieving. I still look at her picture every day. I'm still making sense of it. I, you know, I talk to her friends sometimes. So, but I had to at some point get the desire to say, you know what? It is time to go forward. You got to go forward. Life goes on. You got to get to the other side. You still have a reason to live. You still have people checking on you and looking out for you. You still have to. And honestly, I was at peace with the family members that I lost. I, there's nothing I need from them. There's nothing I will ever need from them. And I'm okay with that. Right. So, I had to make peace with that and to have the desire to go on. And that was one of the things that I had to accept was the people that I'm moving forward with is very minimal, but I'm moving forward. So you got to have the desire to come back. That's number one. And number two, you got to have a plan or a blueprint for what that looks like. What's the next step? What are you about to do? Well, I moved. That was one thing I, I, I left the home that I was in and it was too many negative memories associated with it. Not just because of, you know, uh, me grieving my mom, but it was just memories. Cause that house was a house I shared with my ex-husband and that really, that house was never really just me in it. The spirit, the energy was all those memories, all that stuff. And the holiday spent time spent, it was just too much. So I needed to just know that the next, the next plan was to have different walls to look at, start fresh. Right. And in that, I realized that I started to sleep better once I left the house. I was less anxious. I was, you know, just, I, I was, I was a little bit more settled. I didn't cry uh, as much as I did. And it was, it was very, very, very much needed. Number three, you have to have discipline, right? Because when we experience change and we try to go through it, there's discipline there that we got to do. We got to make sure that we don't give in to these urges to go spend. We got to make sure we don't give in to these urges to snap or go off on people or post subliminal things or say different things that's going to cause a ruckus. So we got to discipline ourselves and know that the win is going to be in our final destination, whatever that may be. And you just don't want to sabotage it by showing people that, hey, you got the best of me this time. That hit, that hit hard. You know, you got to have discipline and not allowing yourself to be immature. Discipline to not allow yourself to just say, forget it and go back to square one, right? You got to have that discipline to keep going forward. The third, the fourth thing I, I realized I needed was the tenacity to just stay consistent. Whenever we're trying to do something different, you got to be tenacious in your abilities to just do the same thing over and over and over again and know that at some point you're going to see the results. So I ended up hiring a new team um, to kind of help me with my brand. I ended up um, just allowing things to do what it's going to do. I stopped trying to hold on to people and hold on to relationships. I just, hey, if you're going to be in my life, you're going to be in my life. If you're not, you're not. And, and that was just kind of where I was. And there was so much peace in that. There was so much peace in just saying, you know what? I'm okay with who's here. I'm okay with what's going on because whatever blessing God has for me, I want to make sure I share with people that I trust. So I was very tenacious in just my ability to, you know, stay consistent with that mentality and stay consistent with that plan. And, and that brought me to number five, which was strength, right? Strength is important. 
And what I mean by that is you got to have the strength to endure the blessings that's about to come from this comeback, right? Be strong enough to know that, hey, there are going to be people that are going to try to come back into your life that you know are no good for you. You got to be strong enough to say, you know what? I'm good. I'm strong. I'm all right. I'm okay. You have to embrace the change because changes are going to come. You have to be strong enough to be okay with this new normal, because when somebody passes away, it's like you have transitioned yourself into a new life because now you're like, OK, I, I woke up today and I'm in these different four walls. My phone is ringing less. Um, people that I thought would be there for me are not. You realize that people have self intentions. And the thing is, they're not necessarily against you. They're just for themselves. But them being for themselves hurts you. So now you got to be like, hey, I got to let you go. There's strength in that. There's strength in walking away from what you know. There's strength in saying, I'm going to start completely over. There's strength that's needed to not give in to the text messages or phone calls when people realize that you've been silent or you've been absent. Where were you guys when I was grieving? Where? So there's strength in holding on to that. There's strength in just saying, I'm going to take a sacrifice and I'm going to get into this new venture and I'm going to try harder and I'm going to stay focused. And I realized that in my tenacity, right, in my tenacity to, you know, not go backwards and to um, just the discipline that of it all and adjusting change, I say, you know, what? I'm just going to start creating memories with, with the people that's in my four walls, my support system. And we decided that we were going to start taking trips for the holidays, that we were going to start doing things differently, creating our own memories and not thinking about what somebody else is doing, because the reality is people weren't checking for us. People weren't asking about what we were doing. People, what I realized is that people only reached out to me or even my kids when it benefited them. So I had to be strong enough to say no or to not give a damn. <laughs> or when people start calling about their problems and their concerns, it's like, you know what? I'm sorry that happened. Um, you take care. That takes strength when you're a giver. That takes strength when you care about other people and you want to make sure that everybody else is good and you're a leader. Because, you know, when you're a leader, you want to look out for everybody. It was hard for me to be like, yeah, fuck y'all, fuck y'all, fuck y'all, especially when you love people. And it wasn't just like that with some of the family. It was like that with people that I thought I would be with for the rest of my life. My mentor, my mentor of all people, like to have to let her go was hard because this was someone who helped me get to a lot of the places that I am if it wasn't for her. But I realized her season ended. That's that. You know, close friends, people that I thought would be there. But it's like, you know, what? I know everybody has stuff going on. But when you lose a parent and you come out of the most darkest times of your life and you realize that you're still standing, you just see things differently. You don't want to have small talk no more. You don't want to just talk to people so they could be in the know of what's going on in your life. You realize you want substance. You want stuff that's going to last. You know, you want people that's going to be there when the music stops. You want people that's going to be there when you're not the life of the party. I was not the life of the party from June or I'm going to say up until March, from March all the way up until I probably just got my groove back. Maybe, maybe. January 2022, May. I'm still working on the groove. I'm getting back out there. But I needed people that was going to be consistent with me and that loved me when I didn't have anything to offer them. 
And I had to be strong and not going back to people who didn't deserve me at all. Not at my best, not at my worst, none of that. So your comeback has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. And you got to stand on it and you got to be proud of it. So with that, I'm happy to say that I have been featured in a lot of national publications. I'm happy to say that, you know, business has been, you know, thriving. And I'm happy to say that my sons are happy and healthy. I survived COVID. My boys survived COVID. Um, we are doing okay. We are doing okay. I, I'm still very close to my brother and I still have my friends and my loved ones. And we are doing okay. I'm surrounded by people I trust. Ah. Uh, all of the snakes seem to be gone. <laughs> My grass is now cut very low. There's comeback in that. There's blessing in that. And I am forever grateful. So, you know, this season's going to be dedicated to uh, setbacks and comebacks. We're going to be talking about that a lot. So I hope you guys stay tuned. And there's a lot that's in store for you this season. I appreciate you rocking with me and waiting because this was supposed to be done a long time ago, but I needed my time. And I just want to say thank you for giving me that time. So you guys know what it is. You guys can follow me on Instagram at author underscore Naya underscore B. Check me out at NayaB.com. You can find me on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, wherever, wherever. Just look me up. Just Google me. I'm here. And uh, you know what to do. If you want to come on the show, just check me out on my web. Send me um, an email and we'll get you on here. But um, for real, I want to appreciate you guys for letting me have this platform and letting me share. And I'll see you next time on Doing It with Naya B. Doing it. Doing it.